0: You're listening to Wander and Rome.
1: Leaving the house of Usher behind them, the gang continues down the road along the base of a steep mountain. The sky is gray and gloomy, threatening rain. In a clearing of trees built into the side of the mountain, towering columns hold aloft a marble roof. Welcome to the Dream Library. Oh, it's on overcast days like today that I really miss, I, uh...
2: Yeah, where did that little sucker go?
1: You know, the last I remember, they were sitting on the head of a statue of a strange crocodile. Huh. Huh.
2: Yeah, you probably should uh, keep better track of your people there, Aldern.
1: They're all here. All two of them.
2: Huh. Again, I can't help but think that perhaps uh, you miscounted somewhere along the way?
1: Nope. All three are present. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh.
2: As the gang walks down the road, they see a path that leads down to something that looks like an old ruin in the side of the mountain. The large marble pillars are holding up a roof that almost looks Greek in nature, but it seems a little misplaced as it is built right into the side of a mountain.
3: Well, after eating all of that candy, I could sure use a little bit of adventure now to settle on my stomach.
1: This seems like our kind of place.
0: Well, it seems like your kind of place, Aldrin. I thought his kind of place was a mausoleum. Not yet.
1: (laughs) Could be a mausoleum. It's hard to tell. Let's go find out. Uh Uh-oh.
3: As the group approaches the giant marble pillars, they inch closer to the doors and see a... Elaborate sign hanging above the doorframe, saying, Dream Library. Hey, uh, Aldern. Y- yes? Y- you've been to a
2: few libraries in your day, right?
1: Uh, library. Go on.
2: Bless you. What kind of a library is a dream library?
1: I'm not sure. I've never seen one before. Perhaps they lend or borrow dreams?
2: Oh, that's ridiculous.
1: We've seen many ridiculous things on our travels.
2: I suppose you're right. There's nothing to do but just see what's going on over here, huh? And Squeakers walks over to the large wooden door, and with his little paw, he raps on it three times. Who's there? What, what are they called? People who go to a library? Is it like... The public? Customers? Patrons? Pa- yeah, we're patrons.
0: Patrons who? Patrons one, two,
2: three, four. Patrons four?
0: I don't get it.
1: Um, oh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not a knock-knock joke. Um, we'd like to visit the Dream Library.
0: Oh, thank goodness. You don't know how many kids we get around here doing their knocking-knocking jokes. Here, give me just a second.
1: What is the funniest knock-knock joke you've heard?
0: I'm not listening. And you hear the clicking of locks opening, and the door swings back to reveal a big, fluffy, tired Pomeranian.
2: Pleasure to meet your acquaintance there. My name's Squeakers. This is uh Aldern Hamish and Raindrop. Hello. Pleasure. What's your name? Hello,
0: hello. hello. Um uh, my name's Nemo. Nemo Nemo Nemo. Hello.
2: Hello. Well, nice nice to meet you, Nemo. Uh, do you own this place?
0: Well I work here. What is this place? Uh, well, it's funny you should ask. Uh, this place with the sign that says Dream Library is in fact a library of dreams.
3: Aren't libraries usually open to the public? Why do you have so many locks on your door?
0: Uh, well, that's because of all the children doing knocking-knocking jokes. Uh, but if all of you are earnest and sincere patrons of this, our library here, come come on in. Come in. It will be my pleasure to uh, introduce you to some of our dreams.
2: Yeah, probably a couple of those things. Let's, uh, huh. let's go aside. The gang enters the library... This giant building is filled to the brim with ancient manuscripts and books. The shelves run impossibly high, and there's bustling as the books and manuscripts seem to fly off the shelves on their own and rearrange themselves over and over. There is a giant skylight at the top, raining light down into a crystal chandelier that spreads light across the entire library.
3: Underneath the dazzling chandelier seems to be a stage with a little podium in front of it.
0: Say, Raindrop. Yeah? Does it seem possible to you how high these shelves are?
3: No, not really, but I kind of want to climb them. I don't know if this is like an illusion.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you could climb all the way up there.
3: Raindrop shuffles to the left and sees a rolling ladder off to the side. and slowly begins a climb upwards.
2: As she does so, the floating books seem to move around her, and as she gets higher and higher, the world seems smaller and smaller below.
3: I thought I would have hit the ceiling by now.
0: Hey, you duck! Ah! Hello? You're not supposed to be up this high. Who said that? What? Oh, hi, my name's August. And a great, long-armed orangutan swings between two of the shelves and grabs Raindrop up off the ladder and begins to descend back down to the floor of the library.
3: Oh, my bad, sorry. I just have really poor impulse control, and that ladder was really calling my name.
0: No, yeah, that's fine. I'm just concerned. You're a little, little person, and that's a big fall up from that impossible height.
3: I like a little risk in my life.
0: Oh, well, that's fair, that's fair. You know, we here at this dream library, we present various adventures and tales.
3: <gasps> Do you have a really good adventure tale book?
1: Oh, we've got more than that. <gasps> we've got a
3: theater! <gasps> a theater?! <laughs>
1: The gang approaches the stage in the middle of the library. It's about three feet tall, made of wooden planks, and along the back, there hangs a red curtain.
0: Anyway, so this is what our stage looks like from the front.
2: Ooh! Yeah, that's usually the best place to watch
0: the show. Oh, I disagree.
1: If you have ever been upon a stage, you know that the best place to watch a performance is from the Wings or from the lighting areas. No other areas will suffice.
0: I like it from up here in the flies. whoop And the orangutan swings up, up, up to the catwalk above the stage.
1: An octopus crawls his way across the planks towards you and stops at the edge of the stage. Have you come to observe our performance?
2: Yeah, I guess. I didn't realize that this, uh, Most libraries don't have a show attached to it, so I wasn't quite expecting that. But yeah, sure. Is it going to happen soon or?
1: Most libraries are not dream libraries, are they? We are slated to begin our performance in 20 minutes. I must to the changing room.
3: This is pretty exciting, guys. I think we need to hang around for the show. We don't got anything.
1: I'm not. To yeah,
0: do. I've got no other plans.
1: Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Hey,
0: you. Yes. Could you warm up someplace we can't hear you?
1: Did you just come into my theater, to my theater, and ask me to cease warming up?
0: All right, I yield.
1: <laughs> red leather, yellow leather. You know you claim you need you claim. You know you need unique you claim.
2: The octopus continues down the stage, slides into a hole that is a lot smaller than itself, disappearing under the stage.
3: There's an under the stage, guys.
0: Nemo walks back from the behind of the gang. And this is where we keep all of the books and present them via our actors and puppeteers here on the stage.
2: Nemo, I got a question for you. Shoot. So you're performing the dreams and whatnot Uh first off where do they come from
0: well each of our books contains the dreams of an individual donor they keep what you might call a dream journal you've uh, you've heard of those i mean i've heard of them well a person will go to sleep as one does and experience dreams and then when they wake up they write down the dream that they've experienced and then eventually when they die their family donates their dreams to us
3: Oh, it's only when they die, so if we currently have a dream journal, it's not here yet.
0: Well, how else would we be able to guarantee that we've got as many dreams out of a person as we can?
2: As Nemo says this, a long, slender calico appears from behind the stage and turns and says, Darling, those are only the ones that we know of. Ooh, hoochie mama. (laughs) (laughs) Pleasure to meet you. My name is... Caligula. Ooh, I get shivers still. Our friend Nemo here buries the lead a little. You see, most of our dreams come from donations, but the ones we perform are a little more special. As she says this, a book flies from one of the shelves and floats over to the podium in front of the stage, lands on the spine, and opens up the gang peers around and looks at it. It's a blank page as words begin to appear down it.
3: So do you have all of these dreams memorized in order to to perform them, or do you... How does this whole process work?
0: It's a creative process. We work together. Now these dreams that you perform, if they're not coming from someone's brain and they're just appearing here on these pages... uh... Are these just coming out the ether, or what?
2: We all have our theories. And she drags a clawed finger around the cheek of Hamish.
0: Oh, humana hummina.
2: <laughs> My personal theory is that these dreams are currently being written.
0: Like they're currently being dreamed?
2: Thou sayest.
0: She turned it around on me. <laughs> With a leap. She jumps onto the stage
2: and walks back behind the curtain.
3: Well, I guess we should just find our seats then. It looks like the show might be about to start.
0: Say, Aldern.
1: Uh, yes?
0: Now, you know your way around a library, don't you?
1: Most libraries have
3: never been in a
1: dream library before. I'm not sure what filing system they use.
0: Oh, I'm sure you could figure it out. Now, they said that this performance was on for, uh, 20 minutes from now? yes. You think that's enough time to go get in some trouble?
1: We did if someone say you trouble? you insist, <laughs> I would like to watch the play.
0: Yeah, but that's in 20 minutes. We could be back.
1: All right. 19 minutes of trouble, and then we come back here and watch the play.
0: Uh, you know what? With you, maybe allow two minutes.
1: <laughs> 17 minutes of trouble, and then we come back and watch the play.
0: All right, all right. Hey, hey Raindrop. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know if Aldern would approve of you coming along to be in trouble, but, like, you could hide in my hat. Yes. You know what? I'm going to leave a couple of those straw scapegoats I've been carrying with me. I'm going to leave those in our seats. See, maybe they'll think we're still sitting there.
3: Oh, that's so smart. Raindrop takes off her flower cap and puts it on the dummy in front. Ooh. This one's me.
2: Squeakers turns to the straw and <laughs> puts his hand on Straw Hamish and says, Wow, I'm, I'm super excited for this one. We got him. Time to go. Time to go.
1: <laughs> All right, Hamish, lead the way. And Hamish starts sneaking
0: on his tiptoes out to the sides of the theater and up the stacks.
3: Peeking out from under Hamish's giant duck-sized hat, Raindrop eyes the stacks and in the distance sees a giant black gate that is closed. I think I found an adventure. Did you say something, Hamish? Hamish.
0: Yeah, I said, I think we found an adventure.
3: Oh, boy.
2: Coming up to the Black Gate, the three see that just beyond are slightly smaller shelves, the books on which are not floating, and there is a series of chains that are blocking the books inside. Upon closer inspection, they can see that the books are beating against one another, trying to get away, but they can't because they're chained in.
1: Oh, these are angry books. I don't like the look of this place, Hamish.
0: Well, I kind of do, but I've been known to engage with, you know, the macabre. Anyway, let's head on in.
1: Uh, If you're sure.
0: Yeah, I'm always sure, and I'm never sure. That's why I'm Hamish Hogg.
1: (laughs) Hamish and Aldern try to open the gate, but as they push against it, it clings in place and it does not open.
3: Hamish, Hamish, and raindrop to yeah. grab a small tuft of Hamish's hair to just gently pull.
0: Whoa, my arm's moving.
3: <laughs> don't worry, I'm a pro lock picker, so just crouch right in front and I'll just be your hands.
0: All right, I'm heading down, I'm going to trust you.
1: <laughs> yes, son, um, you can always trust me, but what are you doing, Hamish?
0: Well, don't worry about it, I'm just going to, whoop, there go my arms, I'm just uh, picking this lock here. I always knew how to do it.
3: right the little flicker of the wrist. Okay, right there. Okay, and yep,
0: yep. Just applying my tension wrench.
3: And snap.
0: Oh, oh there it goes. goes.
3: Now we just gotta find the coolest, angriest book and take a look
1: inside. As Hamish and Aldern walk into the section, there is a hissing from the stacks to their left. Hello. Have you seen it?
0: Uh, Could you be a little more specific?
1: And there is rustling as whatever was in the stacks slithers away.
0: Well,
3: that was a little freaky.
0: Struck out on that one, I guess. Let's see. Uh, How how about a little uh, one of these? And Hamish pulls a little crab apple out of his bag, and he tosses it down one of the aisles between the stacks.
1: He tosses the crab apple down the stacks and there is a crunching sound, and then it rolls back to him. It seems to be half-eaten, and there is something scrawled in a dim, yellowish gold on the apple that has been bitten through.
3: Well, what does that say? I can't see under this hat at all.
0: I'll hold it up to you, and Hamish holds up the half a crab apple and sticks it under his hat.
1: It is, on closer inspection, some kind of a symbol... Half of it is gone and missing. It's been bitten through.
0: Now, why'd they ride it there if they were just going to bite it off?
3: Why, that doesn't make any sense. It's pretty rude, actually.
1: Hey, this is rude. Yes, it's very rude.
0: Oh, Okay, there's nothing spooky there. It's just Aldern. He probably forgot he ate the apple.
1: You keep acting like I'm crazy. <laughs> Why did you put the apple in your hat?
0: That's my thinking spot.
1: Fair enough.
0: As
2: Raindrop examines the crab apple... She feels the overwhelming sense that she is being watched. However, she knows that because she's under Hamish's hat, that it couldn't be with physical eyes. But something knows that she's there.
3: Hamish, did you just get the duck bumps? Well, they'll creep down this moment, which is actually a really cool thing for adventure. Um, I feel like something's watching us, though, in like a third eye kind of sense.
1: Oh, as Raindrop looks at the apple, thin, white worms squirm their way out of the crab apple, and it seems as if they're about to complete that symbol that she was looking at, before they start slawing out of the apple and falling on top of Hamish's head. Whoa, uh, ooh, oh, ee, ooh, ah, uh, oh, what are you doing up there? Are there?
3: There are worms in your hair, don't freak out. There,
0: there's worms in my hair. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to suppress my reaction to that.
3: You're doing so good. I'm I know, gonna,
0: I know. I'm good at this.
3: I'm just gonna start plucking those worms out.
1: As Raindrop picks up the worms, all of them in unison turn to her and say, Have you seen it?
3: Taken by surprise, Raindrop yelps and falls backward off the hat, which tumbles off Hamish's head and lands on the ground. And she freezes.
1: Well, it looks like we have about... Fifteen minutes left until the play. Oh, Raindrop, what are you doing here?
3: Oh, hi. I didn't see you guys here. Um, I... Hamish, I don't know what to say.
0: Grab my hair. We'll run out of here. Oh, there we go. Whoop, whoop. She's moving my legs. (laughs) Strange. Hamish and Raindrop
2: run back through the gate, leaving Aldern. Aldern begins to feel as though the presence that was watching... Raindrop has now turned to him, and as he looks down the hallway into the darkness, all he sees that's barely perceptible are two glowing red eyes in the distance.
1: I've never had much luck with glowing eyes before. I should probably leave.
0: You, uh, bet you should. Aldern turns around and sees the Pomeranian Nemo behind him, doing a little tut-tut movement with his little paw.
1: I'm sorry. Um, why are these gates quartered off?
0: Well, uh, you know how this is a dream library. And it's full of dreams of persons. This section is for dreams that are too bad to be perceived again. Like
1: nightmares, or...?
0: Sort of like nightmares. More like, uh... If a nightmare could eat you, it's kind of like that.
1: Oh, that sounds dangerous.
0: Yeah, it is. That's why we keep it behind the gate.
1: You should probably put a sign up. Um, I should leave.
0: Oh yeah, you should. Do you have like a pen, some paper, cardboard? You know what? I'll, I'll find one. You're correct. There should be a sign.
2: Nemo ushers Aldern out through the gate, and looking over his shoulder, he sees that the red eyes are now floating up and up and up and up, and then become several eyes.
1: Huh.
0: What's that?
2: Oh. Oh. What
1: are those eyes? Oh, well. Is there somebody else in there? Should we go get them out?
0: Oh, you know how I just said uh, nightmares that can eat you? Yeah. That was them.
1: Oh,
2: Nemo closes the gate <laughs> daintily.
0: It's probably fine. It's uh, probably not an issue. I have never seen them divide like that before. Also, normally they go back in a book, but I'm. it's probably fine. It's probably nothing. You know, Caligula's about to get that show on. I'm <laughs> real excited.
1: <laughs> now don't wander off. Wander in Rome will be right back. Winterhawk Podcasting is proud to announce the launch of our Patreon. The first release will be available for free to anyone at patreon.com slash winterhawkpodcasting on Friday, October 20th. Listen to the Wander in Rome Slasher special and stay up to date on future Patreon-exclusive releases by following us for free at patreon.com slash
3: To know Danny. You're Danny. Who am I? Summer. I'm Summer. We are bisexually lit. <laughs> this is a podcast about movies and life and everything in between. Two best friends who are loud and queer and love to talk
1: about movies on and off mic, and we'd like to take you along for the ride.
3: Why did we name our podcast <laughs> Bisexually Lit?
1: Well, like, you know, A, we're bisexual. Extremely.
3: B, we're we're getting lit. We're giving literary and thematic readings to the movies we love. Yeah. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We drop a new e- episode every other Monday, bi-weekly, if you will. Oh, I will. Have you ever seen something you couldn't explain? Have you ever felt like something was watching you? even when you were alone? Have your dreams ever started bleeding into the reality around you? Starting March 8th, join us bi-weekly as we travel around the contiguous United States sharing strange stories and discovering mysteries hidden within the vastness of America. Listen to Lower 48 on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Weaker's sitting in his seat, puts his arm around the straw raindrop and says, All right, now, I'll cover your eyes if it gets too scary.
3: <laughs> Hamish and raindrop quickly scuttle back to the theater. Looking down at her hand, the crab apple and worms that she originally held have melted into mush and then fade into the air. You know, I feel like we kind of missed something there, Hamish.
0: That dog said it's probably fine, so I, I believe that dog. Let's have a seat.
3: Fair enough. Do you you think uh, Squeakers has noticed that we're not there?
0: Nah.
1: After the crabapple has melted away, Raindrop still sees that strange symbol as if it's burnt into her eyes from staring at the sun too long. And she has the overwhelming urge to scrawl that symbol and fill in what was missing.
3: Oh, I think I need to find some paper and some pen.
0: Uh... Oh, raindrops! has been struck by inspiration.
3: I know, I just... The thought won't leave my brain. It's like burned in there, you know? Hey, could you guys uh, keep it down?
0: We're trying to enjoy a show. Dropping down from the flies above the stage, August the orangutan lands on the wooden platform and steps forward to the podium, grabbing the book that sits upon it with its blank pages. He clears his throat, looks down, and pauses. Well, uh, folks... Normally, this would be where I read the prologue to the play. But in this case, you know, give me a moment. I got to confer with my colleagues. And he hops back up to the flies.
1: As he hops back up, Aldern, Hamish, and Squeakers watch him hopping away. There is a rustling as a piece of paper flutters down from higher in the library and lands on the ground with a yellow crayon atop it that clatters to the floor, catching Raindrop's eye.
3: perfect. Ask and you should receive in this dream library. And she scurries over and grabs the crayon and starts furiously drawing on that paper.
1: As she scurries over to it, the crayon and paper hop and skip along the floor, closer to the gates.
3: Silly crayon, come back here. She will scurry on after it.
1: They slip underneath the gates, and disappear into
3: the stacks. (sighs) Well, adventure calls. Scurrying forward to the gate, Raindrop looks left, and she looks right. But not seeing Nemo, she puts her hand on the chains, which surprisingly open on their own volition, and the doors swing open.
0: Back at the stage, August sheepishly pokes his head through the curtains and says, Well, we've had our little discussion. The show must go on. And so I am obligated to read to you the prologue from this book. The dream saith thus Come and see it. Come and see it. Come and see it.
2: The curtain opens up, revealing Otto, the octopus, and using his eight tentacles, he is manipulating three different puppets.
1: There is a small duckling and a fluffy white Pomeranian. ...and an abnormally tall figure in a long and pale yellow robe and a mask of pure white.
2: The duckling moves towards the figure in yellow, and Caligula, the calico, has entered in from the side of the stage using a rod that's attached to the back of the figure. She lifts him up so that the figure is towering over the duckling and then leans forward as if to consume her.
1: The puppet of the Pomeranian attempts to pull the duckling back, but the duckling is continually drawn forward towards the robed figure.
0: Meanwhile, at the gate outside the Forbidden section, Nemo hammers the final tack into his new sign that says, Forbidden, stay out, please.
3: As the Pomeranian takes a step back to admire his work, Behind the sign, he sees Raindrop attempting to scurry further in to the library.
0: Hey, now, uh, don't do that.
3: Oh, I'm so sorry. I just found my way in here and, um...
0: Well, my sign says please.
3: Well, I think you put it up after I was already in there, so I didn't see it. Oh, Uh, you got me. Yeah, but I'm actually looking for something very specific in here, so I'm going to go find that. Okay, um, um,
0: well, don't. But also, I'm the librarian, so, like, I would be the one to talk to about that.
3: Oh, that's true. Um, I was looking for a piece of paper, and it kind of just flew in here. There
1: is rustling down the row of books, and the piece of paper, pristine and perfect and white, sits dead center in the middle of the aisle, with the yellow crayon standing in the middle of the paper and pointing directly up and down, the most perfect crayon Raindrop has ever seen.
3: Oh, I actually see it right there. I'm gonna just run and grab no, it. No, I see worry it too. It. Don't,
0: don't do that.
3: But it's so pretty. No, yeah, that's
0: exactly the problem. When something is that perfect, it's probably a trap.
2: Raindrop talking to Nemo starts walking backwards.
3: Definitely a trap. I, I I'm not. I'm not even gonna go for it right now. It's just yeah, crazy. Now,
0: now, just step on out of there, please.
3: What?
2: The look on Nemo's face shifts, and this cues Raindrop. To look over her shoulder. And as she does so, she sees that from the darkness towering over her, a perfectly white mask has emerged from the shadow
0: and is staring down at her.
3: Oh, um. Hello? Hey,
0: uh, raindrop was it? Raindrop? Uh, You're yeah, gonna wanna my... take a few steps
1: backwards.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do, do that right do now. Do that right now. Um, I'm slowly walking backwards now.
1: Raindrop begins backing up. She feels something sinister within the Pomeranian. And she looks back to look at the Pomeranian. His face is exactly identical to what it used to be, and yet somehow different. Just take a few steps back.
3: Okay, um, I'm actually just going to go flee now. And Raindrop will turn to the left And backing away from both the Pomeranian and the white mask, attempts to dash back into the darkness.
1: Go see the show. Come and see. Go see it. Have you seen
3: it? No, 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 no. Oh, this might have been too much adventure for me.
2: (laughs) Meanwhile, as the gang watches the rest of the show. Hey, uh, Hamish. Yeah? Squeakers looks behind him, realizing that the Hamish that he was talking to is made of hay.
0: Oh, don't you worry about that. Hamish lifts up the straw man and throws it off to one side and sits down in his place.
2: Squeakers turns and notices that August has thrown a straw figurine onto the stage. Putting the dots together, Squeaker says, Is this play about us?
0: I must admit I identify somewhat with the tall mascot fellow, but I don't know if it's literally about us.
2: Squeakers is concerned now because he's convinced himself that this play is real. He turns and says, hey, if we, there's a straw Hamish and a straw Aldern, that's a straw raindrop.
1: No, I'm the real Aldern. My my feathers aren't what they used to be.
2: <laughs> okay, granted. However, where's Raindrop?
3: Oh! The group can hear the faintest of duck screams from Raindrop echoing throughout the library. Raindrop continues to tear down the dark aisles. She grabs a dark book from one of the shelves and tosses it behind her, hoping to distract the figure approaching.
1: She watches as it falls to the floor. It lands and the chains shatter and break. The book opens, and scrawled on the page that she saw is that same symbol that was on the crab apple.
3: I don't know what this means, I don't know what it means, but
2: it's a bad symbol, I think. Raindrop makes her way around the aisle and sees a straight shot down is the gate. Okay,
3: now if I'm just real sneaky and no one sees, I think I can make it. And crouching low to the floor, Raindrop slowly crawls forward keeping an eye out for anything suspicious or the creepy masked figure, and gets about halfway down the aisle when she hears another book fall and hit the ground.
2: Looking up, she sees that whatever figure was following her with the mask is now stretched across the two bookshelves, looking down at her and is crawling towards her.
1: Raindrop can feel the eyes of the figure Fixed upon her and the masked figure says it is time to remove your mask raindrop
3: i'm not wearing any mask this is just my face and i would love to keep my face on me and she scurrying backwards will stand up and beeline it for the gate as quickly as possible
0: some distance outside the gate she sees nemo crumpled in a heap he looks up normal face normal dog hey hey raindrop hurry hurry
3: Open the gate, open the gate, open the gate, open the gate.
0: All right, you gotta time this just right. Here we go. And he opens the gate.
3: And Raindrop slides right on through.
0: And he slams it shut again.
1: (sighs) The gate clangs shut and there is a soft clinking sound as a ceramic white mask lands just on Raindrop's side of the gate.
3: Oh, a mask.
0: Now, now, okay, first of all, no.
3: Sorry, sorry, that was impulsive.
0: Secondly, I don't think we're out yet. We just have to try one more thing.
3: Put on the mask? No. Oh, sorry, I sorry. I. You're
0: right, that would have been silly. Nemo raises his little paw and knocks on the gate three times. Knock, knock, knock.
1: Who's there?
0: Joe. Joe who? Joe Mama. No! (laughs) And Nemo pulls an enormous padlock from a little bag around his waist, and he slams it on the gate.
1: The chains on the books rattle, but they are unable to break free, and eventually as Raindrop and the Pomeranian back away, the noise quiets.
3: Hey, Nemo. Yeah? That was a really good joke.
0: Oh, yeah, see, I, I thought you might like it. I think it's pretty good. Hey, <laughs> Raindrop, mm-hmm. what do you say we check out the rest of that play?
3: I would love that. I think I had enough of this forbidden section.
2: As Nemo and Raindrop head back towards the theater, the play is is wrapping up, and Squeaker's now sitting with Hamish and Aldern. Begin discussing the deeper meanings of the play. I think I understand, like, the metaphor now. Like, the metaphor of the whole thing, right? Because it was metaphorical,
1: you say it. As far as I understood it, I took it to be about a journey of self discovery, perhaps corrupted or gone wrong.
3: Oh, hey, hey guys, what did I miss?
0: Oh, well, it was a sort of an allegory, which, Squeakers, is just like an extended metaphor. Okay.
1: I'm really glad you missed this play, Raindrop. I think it probably would have been too scary for you.
3: Oh man, I missed it.
1: I was expecting something more whimsical. Perhaps we'll have to see another play.
3: Oh, yeah. that'd be good. I mean, all I got was just this creepy mask that I found. Check it out. Oh, there, there's merch.
1: Fascinating. The once immense mask worn by the hooded figure has shrunk down, and it is perfectly duck-sized.
0: Oh, that's pretty neat. That's a cool mask.
3: Thank you. I think I'll try that on when the time feels right.
0: Up on the stage, August oh, the Eranchang pops out from the curtain and he says,
3: The Aristocrats! <laughs>
1: week on wander and roam as our close-knit group of friends leave the dream library their path takes them to a seemingly ordinary bazaar towering heaps of trash flank vendors booths and the smell of rotting popcorn seeps through empty aisles join us as we traverse the immortal swap meet Music for Wander and Rome is written and performed by Gary Argyle. Wander and Rome is produced by Winterhawk Podcasts and Gary Argyle. For more great shows, visit WinterhawkPodcasting.com.